Welcome to Wilton's Music Hall podcast, bringing to life the extraordinary history of the oldest grand music hall in the world. And it's present as a world-class theatre and music venue. It is a special co-production with The Roundhouse. I'm Max Levine and welcome to the Variety episode. This is where you'll hear hand-picked stories from the Wilton's community about our old music hall. Everything from eyewitness accounts of the filming of Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Relax, to plans for Wilton's to become a special East End attraction complete with dark rides. We start with Jeff, who I met on Wilton's walking group. There wasn't room for this story in our episode on community, but it's such a nice story. I'm glad it's found a home here. When they were, when they were finishing the building off, um, uh, Prince Charles came down, because he's the patron, to open it up. And um, so they asked us if we could um, make a little displays in the room, uh, one of the rooms, and um, in the general room, and uh, just about what things had been found there. And they'd found lots of stuff, and it was it was all at the Museum of London, and they were they were sort of building it as a as an archaeology exhibit. But it wasn't really because not stratified. It was just stuff that had been found under the stage, and quite a lot of the pieces that are on the spike under stage. And we thought, what on earth does that mean? And then quite a bit later, when we'd done this, we realised what it meant was Spike Milligan, who was quite keen on it, been fiddling about at the stage, and he'd found a lot of these things. And so the, the location label was Spike under stage. We, we thought that must be something, you know, significant. So, uh, yeah, so we did that. And then, uh, and then uh, yeah, so I've been, I've been coming on the walks uh, ever since, really. I've come most weeks. Jeff, on the treasures to be found in the bowels of Wilton's. And now, David, who is the education manager at Wilton's. He spends some of his time bringing school groups into the music hall for various workshops, as well as taking its stories out into the community. I'll tell you a quick funny one now. Like, one of my funniest... Because there's a school right next to us. Um, you might even be able to hear them playing in the background. But, um, yeah, because they knocked down a row of houses in the 80s, similar to Wilton's, and then they built a school in the 90s. Um, and I was visiting there, and I was... We were doing a shadow puppet performance because I'd worked with a group of students. They had created this shadow puppet play and we we're going to perform it in assembly. Um, but before <laughs> before we uh, got to do that, there was, you know, the usual school announcements and stuff. And the head teacher, Tim, basically said, OK, I just want to confirm and say again that there are no ghosts in the lower school toilet there are no ghosts. It's a silly rumour. And if year five and six pupils could stop scaring the younger children with this lie, that would be great. Okay, David, over to you. And I, <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. You know, like I wish I wish I got told there's no ghosts <laughs> in, a, in you know, a staff meeting. Um, yeah, it was good. It was funny. People stumble across Wilton's for all kinds of reasons. Whether it's to see a show, have a drink, or find a location for a blockbuster film. Kathleen Heron is one of the board members at Wilton's. She stumbled across a building when she was working round the corner for the Sunday Times. 
I wanted to know how she would describe the building. Okay, how do I picture Wilton's? Vivian Lee in Gone with the Wind. Uh, Atlanta had burned. Tara was in pieces. The house was still standing, but the grounds were all burned up. She was poor. Her father had died. But she made a gown out of the draperies. Now, this is a woman who had fallen on hard times, but still managed to come out looking elegant. That's Wilton's. In 1991, I was living in Bow, and I had only been at the Sunday Times for a year. And one morning I was run late, so running late, so I got a cab. And we came down Lehman Street um, for some reason. No, we came over Cable Street. That's right. We came down to, over Cable Street. And on the corner, which is now a little apartment building, Cable Street and Ensign Street, that was an empty lot. And <laughs> I was not hallucinating, I promise you. There were about 100 people in Victorian costume. What's going? What is that? What's going? So I found out later it was this Victorian musical. And what all those people were doing, they were the extras for the film Chaplin that started Robert Downey Jr., so I guess it was 1991. And then another time, probably about a year later, they did um, Taming of the Shrew uh, with Rachel Sterling, who is Diana Riggs' daughter. So we came along to that, and it was brilliant, because you were like in the show, because we were so close, you know? And it was absolutely brilliant, and I happen to know Diana Riggs, so we had a cigarette outside. Um, that's just an aside. And then we found out, I don't know if I was walking past, or somebody was walking past and saw a sign that said, bar open Monday through Friday, and we're like, whoa, we've got a new bar. And that's when it all started. We just started coming, and it really did, and it became wasn't just News International, but it became a destination. Wilton's can be described as a theatre and music venue, but it can also be described as a pretty raucous bar. After I finished recording the music hall choir, Ed Hicks, who was the choir leader, snuck through to the cocktail bar and joined a jazz band playing to a packed-out crowd. I turned my recorder on and captured this, which I think gives a really good idea of what Wilton's is like when it's in full swing.
Now, you're about to hear from Brian. Brian held the keys for Wilton's for many years in the 80s and 90s. In the past, various parties have wanted to obtain the lease for Wilton's for a number of projects. One wanted to knock the music hall down and develop on the land. Another to move Wilton's brick by brick and rebuild it on nearby St Catherine's Dock, which I never really understood. Brian himself proposed to turn it into a retail park with special attractions, but we'll talk a bit more about that later. While battles over ownership raged, the music hall was still in use as a film set. It's where Annie Lennox shot her video for No More I Love Yous, which is the one with lots of transvestite ballerinas and a really grand hall. And when I was on the phone to Brian, he mentioned another very famous video. Panky goes to Hollywood. They made the video in Wilton's, it was notorious, and it went to number one and stayed there through Christmas. Last time we spoke to each other, you mentioned Frankie Goes to Hollywood and you kind of mentioned yeah. about how it came about. And I was mm. wondering if you could remind really me of the details of how that all kicked off. Yeah. Um, we'd done a fair number of videos there, none of which were world famous, but, I mean, people like Annie Ross just loved the acoustic and she came back and performed there gloriously. Then I got a gentleman called Bernard Rose, um, a director who wasn't that well-known then, but he went on to make uh, a film on Beethoven, which won him an award at the Berlin Festival. And he came in in August, September, and looked at it and said, decadent, isn't it? What's this? And he he banged the um, balcony, and I said, well, if you want, it's a mirror of a paunch if you have somebody bouncing themselves off on the top of it. That's exactly what he did. He had the Emperor Nero standing there, jumping up and down in time to the music against the balcony, whilst on the stage a tiger circled, a naked girl was in a cage, and the Frankie goes to Hollywood. It wasn't actually the group, per se. It was the doubles that you sometimes use, performed very strange antics, most of which couldn't possibly be used, um, on the floor. Yeah, I mean, were you there when it was being filmed? Were you on set? On most of these things, I acted as a stage manager. They didn't want to have security through the night, but I'm quite happy to stay there because if if the burglar alarms went off, I would be summoned, and I had a house in Blackheath at this time, and I didn't really want to come traipsing in, as I had done for rats and other things on many occasions. So, um, yes, I was very much part of it, and I was there um, watching it happen. So it was all quite above board then, the filming of the video. There was a proper film crew. It wasn't like everyone oh, snuck in. Oh, good God, no. I should explain. BBC Two had been filming their serials there. Uh, we would have a sometimes a 16-man crew. It was a large one because they'd got tigers and other things roaming around. It was, and we'd also got floor covered with straw and flames, naked flames, which... I didn't see because I was meant not to let that happen, but it did happen and it's in the video and it looks good. Um, And they were very careful. Relax was filmed in 1984, when the main hall was in dire need of repair. David described some of the work he undertook to share the progress of the restoration, which was finally completed in 2005, with the public. So during the building project, the reason I was employed was through the Heritage Lottery Fund. So Wilton's got a large grant from the Heritage Lottery Fund and lots of other funders and donations as well helped uh, with the 
cost of the repair project of Wilton's. But alongside that, there had to be an engagement program to get these pupils in and see work, like see the building change. But the building company were amazing. Um, they were called Ainley and they just worked alongside me and I'd have to come and attend um, weekly builders meetings. Say, right, I'm going to bring in 30 kids and make the, the, the head builder guy, what was he called? Site manager. We were like, oh God, not again, David. Okay then, bring him in. He was from Yorkshire, really strong accent. It was brilliant. And he had this dog as well. <laughs> that was the most annoying thing, actually, because, you know, I would go in and really enthusiastic, teach them all about the history of the building, the different, like, building techniques and architecture. And the main thing they were interested in was this dog that Mick had, this tiny, I don't know what it was, chihuahua or something. And he, what was he called? Oh, man, I forgot the name of the dog. Um, Bailey, that was it. Bailey would be sat in the site office um, because Mick lived in York, but he'd come down and work here the week and then go back at the weekend. So he needed his dog with him, obviously. So the dog would come down with him. Bailey would come down with him. And I was like, right, this is the site office. And I was like, wow, they're really paying attention. But it's because the dog was sat beside me. And they were like, oh. So that was cool. Wilton's wasn't always going to be restored and turned into a restaurant, bar and performance space. In the 80s, there were plans to turn it into a special attraction called Wilton's World, complete with what has been described to me as dark rides. Brian Daubney, the man who just recorded the Frankie Goes to Hollywood video, was one of the main supporters of this plan. As well as bringing the history of Wilton's as a music hall to life, he wanted to tell the story of nearby exotic animal trader Charles Jamrak, Jamrak's operation crossed paths with Wilton's when it was a roaring music hall in the 1860s. For context, you should know that Wilton sits opposite a raised historic railway line with arches underneath. It's also a five-minute walk from the Tower of London. But what would be really astonishing inside there is you walk inside and you were at once in the world of Jamrak. Now, Jamrak was a genuine trader in animals. Why would he set up under the railway arches 500 metres from the tower? Very simple. Since the time of Edward III, people had given the king lions, a rhinoceros, which is famous uh, for being photographed, and sailors regularly brought their monkeys and all their animals in the hope of giving them to the zoo. They were turned away from the tower. But Mr Jamrak had the good sense to create an animal menagerie and emporium under the railway arches. They were darkened, but I know people bought things there, walked them across London Zoo. How would I have made it work? Well, it was weird because I'd been working in the Natural History Museum and in the basement at that time, there were exhibits which they couldn't exhibit simply because an elephant, for instance, had arrived uh, from Tanzania and had then suddenly sighed. It was being eaten by termites inside and its whole back half dissolved. The curator jokingly said to me, if you can find a practical use for that that's not going to make you a profit, we could actually arrange for you to use it. And it occurred to me, lion's heads moving in the dark, roaring suddenly, the elephant standing there, and extraordinary impala and other animals, all of which were bought and sold here. This is probably where Rossetti came to buy his wombats. Rossetti loved wombats. 
but he he actually kept them as pets, and it was quite a fashionable thing for people to have young uh, tigers, cougars, and cats on chains, and all sorts of animals, and walked them around London. Nobody objected because it wasn't against the law. It is a world that is slightly beyond anybody's expectations, and what I plan to show was one auditorium which could show audiovisual and film, and not only film of the history of the place, but for goodness sake, why don't we ever see Little Titch's dance? Not just Little Titch, but Mary Lloyd, uh, even more so, uh, people who imitated Champagne Charlie, there's no film of him, but these are the only boards on which he stood. And to be able to show them opposite and under those arches, the links between theatre art and this place go on they go before wilton's probably back hundreds of years but they go right through the wilton's period the ambitious wilton's world scheme didn't move beyond the drawing board and later restoration proposals withdrew to the boundaries of the existing building nonetheless it is one of my favorite stories from the building's history that's it for this episode If you're interested, you can see some of the concept paintings for Wilton's World. They're pretty cool. They're on the Wilton's Archive at Google Arts and Culture. You just need to go there and search for Wilton's World. Thank you for listening. And goodbye from Grace's Alley. Wilton's Music Hall podcast was produced and presented by me, Max Levine. With support from David Graham. It is a special co-production between the Roundhouse and Wilton's Music Hall.